welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Cryptocurrency. I am Charles Colstead, a tax attorney at Withers and part of its global cryptocurrency practice group. I am delighted to be hosting this podcast series. In these podcasts, I am asking cryptocurrency related questions to Withers colleagues in our cryptocurrency group around the world. With me today is Giorgio Vasselli a tax attorney in our Italian private client and tax team based in our Milan office. He regularly advises clients investing in cryptocurrencies. Our topic for this episode is cryptocurrency issuer considerations. Before we get started, I want to remind listeners that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not providing any legal investment or other advice. Giorgio, thanks for being here today. So, Giorgio, what are the key crypto assets and who are the players? Well, that's an interesting question. And with regard to assets, uh, um, we, in my view, we have three big groups that are payment tokens, security tokens, and utility tokens. With regard to payment tokens, we generally refer to virtual currencies. So, basically, are uh, those... Um, tokens that uh, operate most likely to traditional fiat currencies and they can be used as a mean of exchange of goods and services and they are also uh, generally referred to as virtual currencies like for instance bitcoin and ethereum that are definitely the most important ones as of now due to their global capitalization on the markets with regard to security tokens instead, uh, we refer to those tokens that are designed as tradable assets that are held for investment purposes and uh, can be classified as security under certain uh, jurisdictions. Finally, with regard to utility tokens, uh, these are those tokens that are primarily used to facilitate exchange or asset, asset of specific goods and services. And with regard to utility tokens, this is what we uh, most commonly see when we happen to work on ICOs or ITOs that are initial token offerings. With regard to Players instead, here we have clearly a much longer list and very interesting uh, group of uh, personal and entities. So we have inventors that are literally the creators of cryptocurrencies and the developers. We have issuers that are those who are able to generate units of cryptocurrencies. We have miners that are uh, those players in the cryptocurrency world that validate a set of transaction or blocks, uh, since we are talking about blockchain. And miners are those players that basically, through their activity, which is really expensive in terms of energy that they require to um, carry out their activity, they are remunerated with cryptocurrencies and it's a really new business that is, uh, has been growing over the last years. Then we have cryptocurrency users that can be both individuals and legal entities who obtain coins and use them to make payments and to speculate. Uh, then finally we have a group of service providers that is uh, that really uh, um, represents uh, um, a, an important part of the cryptocurrency world that are wallet providers, 
cryptocurrency exchangers and trading platforms. With regard to wallet providers, are those basically are those entities that provide uh, users with digital wallets or e-wallets that are used for holding and storing their cryptocurrencies. So they play a key role for the security of for the protection of the of the assets that are represented by cryptocurrencies, since cryptocurrencies held uh, on uh, internet exchanges are always exposed at the risk of being hacked by hackers. Then there are cryptocurrencies exchanges, which are, which are personal entities that offer trading services to cryptocurrency users. And so it's basically thanks to those people that uh, uh, it's uh, investors from the small ones to the biggest ones can make uh, the biggest gains uh, that we are seeing uh, in the news uh, over the last months. And then we have trading platforms that are marketplaces where cryptocurrencies users can directly trade with each other. Interesting. Thank you for touching on a number of key areas that are expanding and developing in the space. So, what are ICOs and ITOs, and what issues do they raise? Well, um, you know, ICOs and ITOs, at least looking at the, you know, the all, all the key guidelines issues by the most important uh, regulatory bodies in Europe or the intergovernmental organization like the OECDs, the OECD, uh, are uh, pretty much the same thing in the sense that our initial coin offering or initial token offering, as we said, payment tokens are cryptocurrencies. So uh, it may happen often to uh, to mean the same thing with ICO and ITO, and uh, the main example of ICO and, I and ITOs are those um, uh, offering that uh, allow business to raise capital for their projects by issuing digital tokens in exchange of either fiat currencies or crypto assets, like, as we said, Bitcoin or Ethereum. And the key features of ITOs is that they are typically, typically promoted on the web and social media to potential investors using white papers, for instance. And uh, some platforms are also specialized in the promotion of ICOs. Um, what has been noticed over the last years that while initially they were more common, um, ITOs have become considerably less frequent in 2019 and 2020. Uh, this is due to the fact that, uh, particularly in Europe, public regulatory bodies uh, raised some concerns with regard to the risk of investors that uh, that could be um, uh, that, that, that that should deserve a stronger uh, protection from a regulatory law. That's why currently the number of ICOs is uh, substantially reduced, and there is the feeling that until there will be a clear regulation of this uh, phenomena, uh, it will be harder to have uh, those kind of um, fundraising um, means for enterprises and startups. Great. That's really interesting to hear. It's amazing how the space keeps expanding. Internationally, what is the approach of regulatory bodies with regard to cryptocurrencies, exchanges, and wallet providers? 
Uh, well, here we uh, what we have noticed um, is that um, uh, regulatory bodies can take different approaches, ranging from no regulation uh, to full prohibition, and there are mild approaches like soft regulation or partial licensing. With regard to no regulation in Europe, this is hardly seen uh, in the sense that, as I uh, already said, uh, public regulatory bodies are taking a stance to uh, contrast uh, or at least to uh, control uh, ICOs and uh, basically the phenomenon of cryptocurrencies uh, for protected investors, first of all. Uh, the second approach is soft regulation, which is uh, probably the one that is, um, as of today, uh, most most common, uh, at least in Europe. And uh, with soft regulation, I mean uh, warnings issued by the competent bodies on the risk of cryptocurrencies. And uh, the debate is, uh, is big around this point. And uh, uh, in Italy there are, I can say that in Italy there are uh, already a number of um, uh, guidelines issued by the competent public bodies to warn investors about uh, the risks of holding cryptocurrencies or investing in the world of cryptocurrencies. So it's, it's, really, it's really big. Similar approaches are taken by other EU jurisdictions like Portugal or Romania, for instance. And uh, the most important uh, um, uh, legal uh, uh, framework of soft regulation uh, uh, that is... Uh, that has been implemented in Europe is AML regulation in the sense that uh, the fifth uh, anti-money laundering directive that was issued in 2018 uh, clearly um, um, clearly uh, addressed the world of uh, cryptocurrency with provisions specifically applying to uh, wallet providers or cryptocurrency ex exchanges and so requesting some um, important uh, uh, fulfillments for basically protecting investors uh, but most importantly for tackling uh, money laundering and terrorist financing which is unfortunately as of today still an underlying issue of the world of cryptocurrencies. Uh, last approach is um, uh, licensing, uh, like full licensing, uh, which is something that uh, um, uh, we have noticed uh, how occurred in the US, or forms of authorizations, that is uh, uh, what um, has been uh, done in, in certain new jurisdictions like Germany, France, Estonia, or uh, other uh, non-EU jurisdictions like Japan. Finally, there is full prohibition, uh, which is the, oh, clearly the strongest approach that um, governments are taking against the world of cryptocurrencies. A typical example uh, from our sources are right, Russia, for instance, South Korea or uh, or China. That's a lot to keep track of. It's good to have you on the team. What is the approach of EU competent bodies with regard to crypto assets? Uh, as I already mentioned, is um, uh, the key um, piece of legislation uh, that we already have in place within Europe 
are the anti-money laundering directives. Um, uh, in the the the, the anti-money laundering directives has been directive has been substantially amended recently with the fourth and the fifth um, directives that have been recently uh, um, issued. The, the latest one, the fifth one, was in 2018. Um, what basically the directive uh, did with regard to the world of cryptocurrencies is, first of all, um, providing a definition of cryptocurrencies, and secondly, they have included, um, this is what have happened uh, in the fifth uh, AML directive, uh, they have included, uh, as I said, cryptocurrency exchanges and wallet providers among those um, uh, persons uh, required to carry out the uh, due diligence of uh, their clients and customers and to uh, I, I didn't uh, so basically to identify uh, um, the uh, both the identity of their clients and of course uh, put in place all the uh, other uh, measures that um, are required internationally internationally to uh, when you know form of money laundering or terrorist financing is spotted by the key players like as I said in this case uh, wallet providers and cryptocurrency exchanges uh, Going forward, uh, it is expectable that certain jurisdictions, like Italy uh, in particular, will uh, require additional fulfillments to those uh, players, uh, like um, a, an obligation to register themselves in special uh, registries of um, in financial intermediaries, basically, uh, that will clearly uh, allow the um, uh, competent authorities to have a, a, a to monitor uh, the world of cryptocurrencies in a more efficient way as opposed to what is happening uh, nowadays where there is regulation uh, there are certainly uh, very professional and good players in the world of cryptocurrencies, but there is also a lot of uh, unregulated players uh, that hide risks for uh, uh, money laundering and risks for investors, clearly. Thank you, Giorgio, for the discussion today. That was wonderful. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining this episode of our Withers Talks Cryptocurrency Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out.